thing, you know. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montano. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of UFO Undercover. As Natasha said, I am your host, Joe Montaldo. I hope everyone this evening is having a great evening, great morning, great afternoon, wherever you may be on our beautiful blue planet. I know we're in all the time zones now. Last I checked, 109 countries, uh, more than 250 American cities. So there's no reason you can't listen to us. If you're in New Orleans, you can listen to us on 105.3 FM, which, by the way, did not go down during the hurricane. We only lost broadcast for five hours. Uh, that was a total downtime during the storm, and that's only because we lost power and I was too lazy to go outside and hook up the generators. Other than that, uh, my family, myself, and all my friends came through Gustav quite well. Um, I'm, I'm in my house in New Orleans, in the studio, broadcasting live to y'all right now. All the live programming will, assume, uh, re- will resume as of today. So I want everyone to tune in. Remember, too, you can always listen to us if you have a cell phone because... You know, a lot of people had complained that they wanted to listen to us in a car. Well, it's impossible for us to be on every radio station in the world. So, you know, we have UpSnap. Uh, you can type in PARA27627, and you can get on it that way. You can go to the website and dial directly in on your phone. You can listen to us. There's no charge. It's free, other than the time you use on your phone. And I sense most people have free minutes after 7 on weekends. It shouldn't even affect your phone bill any. So you can flip on your speakerphone, tug it in, plug in your earphone, listen that way. Uh, plus the many, 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 many other ways you can listen to us. Now, we're also uh, John Greenwald, Jr. from Black Vault uh, Radio, BlackVault.com, and Black Vault Radio, has also picked up uh, my show and several others from the network and are now cowering him on BBRN Radio, which is Black Vault Radio Network. Uh, so you, if you can't find us here, you can find us there. His show is also on my network. It airs uh, in the rerun system because he's alive on Saturdays, and we already have shows live on Saturdays. So that's all wonderful stuff you can catch us on along with, like I said, the many, 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 many other networks you can catch us on. Also, all the different podcast sites from iTunes to GoDaddy to Macfedia to a whole host. I think we're on 50 podcast sites now. So there's no excuse for you not to listen to my show or any of the shows on the Paranormal Radio Network for that means. Get out there, pick them up. I know y'all are listening because I can see the numbers every week and I can see the archive hit. So I know y'all are enjoying the shows. If, for anything, you'd like a particular guest or you'd like something changed on the station or you've got any ideas for the station, you can always write to me at uprn at cox.net or at icar at cox.net. Either one, I, I, I respond to both emails. I will tell you this. On average, it takes me about 10 to 12 days uh, to reply to an email, so don't get your feelings hurt. It, i got a lot of emails coming every day because... Not just the radio station, but you know I'm international director for iCar, and we have a lot of contact cases coming in over the years. So uh, there's always something going on, guys. So be a little patient when you write to me, but I will respond. I respond to all of my emails personally, even though it is a nightmare. Anyway, enough about all of that. I want to just let all my friends know that we did survive the hurricane, and we did ride the hurricane out in New Orleans, so no big deal. Tonight's guest is going to be Jeff Peckman. Um, He's very interesting. He's got a couple of interesting things. The sites are posted on all three of our sites. You can find them on UFO on the cover on Paranormal Radio Network and on the iCar site. So you can go link in, read through the site while you while we're there. The easiest way to find it is just go to UFO on the cover, click the site, and go. Now I'm gonna bring Jeff on in a second. There's a couple of things I was reading through his site, like some updated news he has on there. What he's doing in Denver, which I find very fascinating in itself. Jeff, let me get you to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then. What possessed you to get into this? Well, um, I have always been interested in cutting-edge solutions, things that 
information, knowledge that connects me with the rest of the universe, with my own inner self. I've practiced meditation and taught meditation for many years and have another website called worldpeacemarket.com that promotes a, a new technology. But uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I uh, heard a talk by Stan Romanek, who does seem to have uh, perhaps the most documented case of uh, alien contact. And uh, I was very impressed with his the evidence that he, that he presented. And I thought, well, great. You know, everybody's going to know about this, and it'll pretty much confirm what most people know already, that we are not alone in the universe. And, uh, you know, nothing really came from that in the media. Actually, that was not uh, a public meeting, but later on there was a public meeting, and the media was invited back in January of this year and did not report on it. So that puzzled me. Then a couple months after that, um, John Schusler of MUFON had been a uh, former NASA engineer, and he had a stack of documents, a lot of declassified documents, confirming that the government cover-up part of this uh, uh, issue is was true. I thought, great, so everybody's going to know about this. But he ended his talk by saying that he did not expect that the U.S. government would disclose what it knows about the UFO and ET reality in his lifetime. And I thought, Hold a second here. <laughs> you know, I figured, you know, that's that's just wrong. Because first of all, we are the government. We the people here. Yes, we are. And we are the government. And secondly, there's obviously enough between what he said and what Stan Romanek had presented, there's obviously enough evidence to uh, support this theory of, of extraterrestrial reality that uh, we don't need the federal government to disclose much of what needs to be known in order to really convince people, yeah, there's there's something going on here. And so I, I knew how to do a ballot initiative. Not all states allow this, uh, but Colorado certainly does, and I think 16 other states. And uh, I've done it before, and I thought, I'll just create a ballot initiative to essentially achieve what uh, people are hoping the federal government will do in terms of disclosure. So by the time I got back home from his talk, uh, John Schusler's talk, that was you know within 30 minutes, I pretty much decided uh, or figured out a concept for how to create a ballot initiative around this issue and to take the information directly to the people, which is important because, you know, James Madison, a former president, uh, spoke about, uh, he said, the, the people are the only legitimate fountain of power, and it's from them that all these other powers of government are derived. So that was the, the strategy that I took. And uh, it seems to be working well in terms of tapping into that power and gaining the attention of the media because they see that this is a very serious thing. When you go directly to the people with anything, uh, the media tends to cover it because it just it's a you know it's a local thing that has potentially global implications. Well, let me now I, I, for you the local media is easier to deal with it. I mean, isn't it for you? I mean, I know for me it is. Um, I have a lot easier time when I'm dealing with local media with any of the subjects that I work on than I do with trying to get anything into the national media. Uh, I swear it's like pulling teeth to even get them to recognize anything. I mean, is that true for you, or have you had better success? It's actually been just the opposite. Uh, you know, initially, and I, on two ballot initiatives, uh, initiatives that I've done, there started out to be a little bit of local media coverage, mm -hmm. but the national and international media then picked it up quite quickly, 
and it became a huge story. And then it was, and it was only after that that the local media really started covering it a lot more and digging into the issue when they saw that other people in the world were interested. So uh, both of these, uh, maybe I'm just lucky, but both okay. of these uh, previous ballot, this previous ballot initiative uh, about five years ago, and now this one, um, instantly attracted media attention, and it was sustained for some time, and uh, really allowed people to go more deeply into information that was either new or previously underreported. Well, well, that, that makes sense. Well, I'm glad it kind of went backwards, because like I said, usually we have a hard time with anything in national. Local, uh, usually if I call the local media down here, as long as there's not a hurricane or something like that going on, uh, usually, if I call them, they'll respond. They'll send out a. Now we don't ever get a, a big report. We always get like a cover, something like that. But still, uh, they tend to cover it here in New Orleans and in Houston. I, I notice they do it quite a lot. But uh, stories that are picked up locally, I rarely ever see them hit the national news. Every once in a while. But see, you seem to had just the opposite luck there, which is nice because once it makes national, the people can get involved, uh, which is what you're trying to do. I mean, if, if you got to get. I tell us to you followers all the time, if you want to make a difference, you've got to get the word out to the general population. Uh, preaching to the choir is not going to do you any good. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, you, you know, you've done, you're one of the champions, and I, I feel very grateful to be uh, speaking with people like you that have been at this for, you know, decades. I'm relatively new to this whole topic, but I saw an opportunity to create really a forum so that people that do have something uh, very important to say can bring that to Denver, and through Denver, it can reach the rest of the world. So whether it's a DVD, a book, a white paper, uh, some personal experience, it seems that that's the way it's unfolding, that people are looking at Denver now as a portal to getting this information directly to the people. And, you know, when I said the media picked it up, I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners are... Uh, your show is probably, you know, I'm certain it's much more interesting than what's normally in the, the mainstream media. Um, but if they've been noticing uh, within the first six weeks of doing this ballot initiative, and I should say that when I first filed the draft, you have to go through a, certain, a few legal steps. And the first is just to give a draft of what you're intending to do to the city uh, council attorney and the city council director of staff, and then within 10 days they have a little sit-down meeting with you and kind of go over it and and uh, just try to understand what it is. They don't tell you to change anything, but they'll ask questions and comments. And, in fact, I, I've redone, I've revised the petition, and we'll be doing the same kind of meeting tomorrow. So that's been getting a little bit of news coverage. But when I first started, I didn't even tell the media about it at all. I didn't solicit any interviews because I really needed about three months of time to get things underway and to actually work on another couple of projects. But uh, because it became a matter of public record, a uh, local reporter, uh, Daniel Chacon at the Rocky Mountain News, picked up on it and wrote an article. Well, the day after that, I got invited by one or two TV stations who thought, okay, well, this is interesting. Uh, they did an interview, and from there, within about 10 days, it was all over the world. And uh, within the first six weeks, I ended up doing about... 70 interviews on all the major national TV networks, local networks, a uh, number of paper, newspapers, a lot of radio interviews, uh, and ended up, that six-week period ended up with uh, me on 
the stage with David Letterman talking about this, and also Geraldo. And then we also did, uh, Stan Romanek and I did an uplink with Larry King just before that. So it was a, it was a huge thing, and really within those six weeks, uh, part of it was the ballot initiative itself, and then it was this uh, so-called alien video, which was mistakenly called the Jeff Peckman alien video. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that. It was Stan Romanek's. And that was, you know, another wave. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to follow this. Just It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. And, uh, wow, within the first, after that alien video uh, was shown, my campaign website got about 250,000 hits within the first 24 hours. Uh, and it was became like a top story on AOL, Yahoo, MSN, home pages. Uh, it was one of the top Google searches, top YouTube, YouTube searches. Um, it really just created this splash. And so obviously something's going on here, Joe. I mean, I'm not that organized to, <laughs> to cause all of this. You know, I, I know how to do a ballot initiative, and it seemed to be a good topic. And I really sense that we're it's a different time now. It's a new day, mm-hmm. and that perhaps even the same group that has controlled the uh, media to not report on this issue is now swinging in the other direction and finding convenient ways to get this information out because it seems beyond the ability of the federal government to do it in any effective way. Well, the feds need some deniability and they need some, um, well, they, they, they need a buffer, basically, so they don't get sued or they don't find themselves in a bunch of legal problems. Uh, so if it comes out via a public source or, or a private source, what have you, um, the government's not so much responsible. They, they, can, they can say, well, we kind of thought or we did this or we did that, but they don't have to outright say they knew about this because at this point I've talked to a lot of people in the last decade about this on the air, and i got to say, one of the problems for the government is if tomorrow they come out and say this is a real phenomenon, they're going to have a half million lawsuits against them, and, and for a whole host of reasons. And, uh, you know, they, they, and that's just one part of it. they still got to deal with Russians keeping technology from them and, and a few other things besides that. So it's hard for the feds to come right out and say, okay, guys, E.T.'s visiting a planet, and this is how it is. But for someone like ourselves and other people that are in the field, if the right group of people get together and can put the right pressure, uh, and if there's enough of this come forward, I, I really think you, you might get some... some cooperation from the government um, but other than that I just I don't you know I argue with Stephen Bassett about this all the time because he's going to have disclosure in 2009 and I, I just can't see it happen I can't I can't see for the federal government or I shouldn't even say the federal government whatever part of the government this is that deals with this where it's to their benefit to come forward um, you know right now everything points to it would be harmful to the government to come forward versus not so I, I just you know it's going to take a lot it's going to take, and what you're doing is a good start. That's a good way of putting pressure on them. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, it's really not the intent to, to put pressure on people. It's a little bit like the, uh, the theory that you could uh, put pressure on a terrorist to suddenly get them to see the light. Yeah. You know, the brain just doesn't work that way. You know, you stress out a person, and it just goes the opposite direction. That's true. They're too. less able to think clearly and to think about things beyond their own immediate needs or mission. And so, you know, this will be done, I think, first through directly through the people, because you know, a few, a few 
few interviewers have asked me, well, why don't you do it on a, on a higher level like state or federal? Well, first of all, there are no ballot initiatives at a federal level. The state takes, you know, a lot more time and resources. Yeah. But really, this is within our, our country. I feel like this is going over the heads of Congress and the White House directly to the people, again, back to that, that higher source of power. And I believe that it will happen much more effectively that way. And a number of people have told me that, I think especially Stephen Greer, uh, Dr. Greer said in his efforts in speaking with members of Congress, that one of the most common responses was that, you know, uh, we're just kind of stuck here. <laughs> we, we can't do this very effectively. I mean, if this is, information is going to get out to the people, it really needs to be on a grassroots level. It and does. because of that, because of that per- perception, that perspective, I believe that a lot of support is gravitating towards this very humble, modest ballot initiative because it is seen as something that has a lot of leverage. And from one small effort, it can impact a much broader range that starts to get a lot of people off the hook. You know, it's like you say, it's, it's not easy for them. And I think they'd probably just botch the job anyway yeah, they probably would. as some kind of national disclosure program. So, you know, person to person, I think, is the way to go here because this is a very important uh, human uh, interaction, human decision that has to be made. And one thing that is important that I've, that I've observed in other instances with ballot initiatives is that it's one thing to provide information to a lot of people. But so many people are in the habit of relinquishing their responsibilities to the government, to their employer, to you know somebody supporting them, that if they're not making a conscious decision about a piece of information, it doesn't really sit in, you know, settle in with them. And so by putting this on the ballot for a vote, what I've observed is that just ordinary people, you, me, your listeners, everybody else, when they vote on something, it really does elevate them to that level of a lawmaker, somebody that has to really deliberate and think, now, all right, what are the pros and cons of this thing? I'm, I'm making a law here, and is this good for me, for my family, my community, my nation, my planet, my universe? You know, I've noticed that they really rise to the occasion, and they, they study this, this kind of topic uh, more thoroughly than if they were just being, you know, hearing some information that just passes right over them, maybe a little bit sticks, but they really go into it. And one thing that I especially enjoy seeing is that in schools throughout the city or even in other parts of the country, when this is on the ballot, what's likely to happen, and this always happens with the ballot initiative that I've seen, is that classrooms of students in political science, in social studies, they will pick an issue from an election that seems to be unique somehow, and they'll hold a mock election, and they'll hold debates within the classroom, and it'll be their classwork to study the issue and to be able to answer the hard questions. And these kids, when they, these students, when they come out of that experience, if you talk to them, they're as knowledgeable as most of the people you'll find that have been at this for decades. I mean, they just, they just suck it up. And they really go deeply into the issue. And I think these will be the future experts, the people that are really leading the way. And that's why one of the reasons that I think a ballot initiative is so important, because it does engage uh, the general public in that way. 
and also the students. Well, I'm just glad to see somebody out there doing something, I'll be honest with you. They, um, and, you know, it amazes me that you did this in Denver because where you move on used to be based. Um, where are they now? They've moved again, I think. Uh, I know they were based in Denver, Colorado, but I think James said they were moving back to Texas. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, uh, well, Alejandro Rojas. Uh, yeah, he's in Denver. I know that. I, I talked with him. He's actually friends with him. We, we, we have a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, I but, imagine. And, um, but I know he's in, in Denver because that's where Phil Torrey is. He's in Denver, too. And uh, he's my um, um, Colorado State director, so I know he he knows he's there. But when I had talked with James Carrion in um, Las Vegas, I know he said they were thinking about moving it somewhere in Texas. I thought he said San Antonio. I could be wrong. The guys, look, don't quote me because I'm not positive. This was two years ago we had this conversation. Okay, so you know something else I was thinking, Jeff, while we were talking? One of the other reasons you see more and more media getting involved today is because they have to deal with shows like mine and Coast to Coast and Jeff Jeff Rentz and Kevin Smith and uh, Jerry Pittman and all because we're taking a big share of the market. I mean, this show does a half a million listeners weekly. That's a chunk of the market on Wednesday nights, and I'm not the only one out there that's doing this. And you know, Coast to Coast is doing three, four million listeners a night. You know, and then you have Jerry Pittman and Jeff Rinson and them all. But when you put the six or seven top shows together that talk about this, they're taking ten, fifteen million listeners mm-hmm. weekly, and uh, that's got to be hurting big media. I mean, I, I can't see them just wanting to let us have these listeners. And this show grows there. Well, it's like the, when I got involved with this, I really thought. Somebody asked me to host a radio show. I'm like, yeah, I'll have like two listeners a week, uh, maybe three, you know. <laughs> and uh, no, really, I'm being serious now. And, and a couple of months passed, and I realized, damn, we had like 20,000 listeners. I'm like, wow, that's I, I was impressed. And uh, just before I switched from Wake Up USA to UFO on the cover show, I was doing close to a million listeners a week. Now, when I started the station, it had a big whopping 20 listeners. Today, just 18 months later, it does 3.3 million listeners weekly. So that tells you the demand for this kind of uh, information. They're not getting it from the regular media, so they're looking for alternative medias. And now the regular media is starting to realize they're starting to lose market shares. Um, you know, I've had a couple of companies approach me about the share of market that we expect to take in the next five years. Uh, we really, you know, current things have this, this station doing 10, 15 million uh, listeners weekly. That's as big as any station in the United States by far. And, uh, they, you know, there's a lot of interest in this, and there's a lot of interest in moving away from media, but yet making the alternative media still be credible, uh, which I don't know how they're going to do that, because personally, uh, things like CNN and Fox have lost pretty much all credibility with me to start off with, so I'm not sure what anybody, when they say credible media, what they're talking about. Uh, I notice journalism is not what it used to be. People aren't out there really, you know... I noticed today if you can sit and watch the major news stations and you can go from station to station to station. They're all reporting the same thing, but they're all different. Now, it's the same event, you know, like there was an accident a couple months ago where there was about 25 cars involved. One station had five cars with six people did. One station had 15 cars with two people did and so on and so forth. So what the hell happened to news? Uh, I mean, in the end, there were seven people killed and 37 cars piled up, but not one of the stations got it right. You know, so I'm kind of wondering today, and it's like with Katrina. Uh, you know, I'm sitting at home in New Orleans watching the national news about Katrina, and about 80% of what they said was not true. I mean, it simply was not true. I mean, they were just making stuff up. And, uh, you know, I didn't think that's what media was supposed to suffer. We were supposed to report the news 
according, you know, to exactly how it happened, not according to our own opinions. And that's what news media has become in the United States. It's become a format for opinions. It's not really news anymore. <laughs> With the exception, I mean, there's a few good shows out there like Larry King and a few others that still do some hard-hitting journalism, but in general, you don't see it anymore. And now that you have other sources that are getting much more in-depth into subjects like ufology or in any of the paranormal ranges or any of the new age ranges you know they last year when i seen the standings uh 86 million americans uh are either messing with an alternative religion or in a new age religion so that's 86 million people who are not really going to be concerned with fox and cnn are talking about they're just not going to be and then there's probably another 80 or 90 million above that so you at least half the country is not is at this point does not really care what the mainstream media says anymore, and you can tell that by the electric coverages. Uh, it's just, it's a sad state of affairs, but you know, for what you're doing, it doesn't matter because the way you're presenting this, if as long as the news media is pick it up, then they can find your site and get all the information they need. So that's a that's a different beast. Uh, but a lot of this stuff they don't do it that way. They just say whatever they want and don't give you any reference sources or anything, and just <laughs> go on to the next. That's true. I get a little bit of that, too. I mean, things have come out in the media that, you know, I've been credited with statements made by the Vatican astronomer, <laughs> uh, by Alejandro Rojas. Man, yeah. I've been called the uh, film expert that authenticated Stan Romanek's film. Uh, you know, <laughs> they've gotten a lot wrong, well, but, gen- but they, the gen- at least they're talking about it. It's like Stan's film. I mean, um, a couple of weeks ago, about six or seven weeks ago, somebody wrote me a letter saying, did you see that film, Jeff? And I had talked to Stan not long before that and I was like well wait now I'm getting confused I said no this is Stan's video Jeff is just dealing with it but I said you know what I'll just ask him when he comes on the show but you know that's the way I was explained to me that it was it was Stan's video and actually the video I've seen isn't even the real video I don't think I've seen the real video yet to right. be honest with you I've seen um, a bunch of lookalikes and a bunch of st- you know what kills me too Jeff there must be 30 sites out there that claim to have the original video yeah <laughs> And I'm like, and a guy wrote me, well, actually, a guy called me on the phone the other day. He says, Joe, I said, look, I said, as far as I know, the real video is not on the Internet. I said, now, I got Jeff coming on the show. I said, I'll ask Jeff, but I said, but my understanding is is that the real video has not been made available on the Internet, yet they're doing something else with it. And um, so then I start getting all these emails. Oh, no, here it is, here it is. And and, and most of these are obviously just poor hoaxes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how y'all deal with that stuff. That just irritates me, man. I'm just like, come on, people, grow up. Well, it, it's true. I mean, I uh, I don't know what to say about that. It, it's an interesting phenomenon that happened yeah. on YouTube with with all this stuff out there. And before I knew it, you know, somebody had purchased my name as part of a, a website yeah, domain website. name don't and is trying to that? push toolbars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't you love when they do crap like that? That just that that just floors me when they do stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it, it really did. Uh, it engaged people. I mean, it, it's just funny how it came out, but it did engage people in a lot of discussion. And uh, so, I think when the truth, as the truth keeps unfolding, at least they'll they'll be sort of loosened up and ready. It won't hit them for the first time. And maybe it's better just to, you know, stir things up a little bit before the the real truth comes out. So. It'll, they'll have to, you know, take some, yeah. maybe a little more time to get them to recognize what is true. But, you know, that's the, that's the same thing with just about any field of knowledge. You'll get people debating both ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and you never really know 
you know what the real truth is but at least people are uh, being trying to be proactive whether it's alternative you know natural health care there's every kind of book and remedy and all that but at least people are thinking yeah it's good to be healthy i mean if they're doing that and they're proactive then you know give them some credit and in general you know we hope that they're not doing anything that's causing them them harm but there's always going to be this kind of debate at least that it is getting debated and and that's the thing it is getting debated uh and that does make it a little better and things a little easier and and it's like we were talking getting people to realize it to pay attention um that's the thing if you can get enough people to wake up and Denver is a fairly open-minded town i got quite a few friends up there and um they seem to be uh, a fairly well-rounded, uh, fairly open-minded group up there. They don't seem to be like some of the Yankee cities I've been in recently where you mention the word UFO and they look at you like you fell off a truck or something. Um, now, i got to honest, I live in the Bible Belt. I really thought when I got involved with this that I was making a fatal mistake because I own a construction company in New Orleans. And, you know, I've been in the local pe- paper and been in the local media, and, you know, I thought it was going to hurt my business. Come to find out, though, which is by the way, is still amazing to me that it's quite acceptable down here. Uh, the Gulf Coast seems to embrace this. I mean, we have police officers call us all the time about things they've seen or experienced. Um, right after Katrina, we had some National Guards and some um, you know, PDs call us about something that had happened down on Esplanade. So it, it's a much more acceptable down here than I thought it was. And, I, and I'm sure part of that is because the city of New Orleans itself is a paranormal city anyway. And uh, we're linked to all the major cities in the Gulf South, and, and it seems to be quite a bit more acceptable here uh, than it is uh, once you cross the Mason-Dixon line. Now, the West Coast seems to be quite acceptable. But when you start getting up in places like New York or Pennsylvania or even Illinois, which is surprising, it, they seem to really frown on it. And, and I just don't understand why. I don't see what the difference is. Um, you know, I, I guess it's one of those things that will make me crazy because there is no real explanation <laughs> for why... Half the country's like, okay, and the other half the country's like, no, well, you know, y'all are all nuts. Um, no, I'll like, oh, speaking of that, ladies and gentlemen, um, I will be on Coast to Coast Monday night with Melinda Leslie. We'll be discussing Millab cases. Uh, I think, yeah, it's Monday the 8th. It was going to be Tuesday. Well, it was going to be this Tuesday, but then the hurricane came, so then it was going to be next Tuesday. But anyway, it's going to be Monday the 8th. You can come check out Melinda Leslie and I talking about uh, Millabs with George Norrie on Coast to Coast. We'll be on the full four hours, so come and check it out. Sorry about that, Jeff. I forgot to plug that to begin. No, I'm going to have to your show. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just forgot to plug it. I, I do Coast once or twice a year, and I, you know, um, Melinda's a friend of mine, and we've been working on this joint research on, uh, we call them Millabs. Actually, we're trying to come up with a better word for it, because nobody really knows what it is, but somehow or another that Millab word got coined, so we'll be discussing it on Coast to Coast on what we consider to be a legitimate case and whatnot, and so on. All of that funny stuff, I'm sure... Uh, the video will come up because all of that stuff always does. <laughs> uh, anytime I get on Coast to Coast, it's a menage of what we're going to talk about because, um, you know, we do one type of research, but the organization in itself has its fingers in the quite a lot of things. And Now that we're like six times the size of MUFON, we're into a lot more stuff. Don't get the media coverage they do, but we get way more cases and they do way more information. On average, probably uh, as on sighting cases, we refer those all out now, but uh, we were getting probably 25, 30 a week every week. Induction cases, about five or six a week every week. And this has been going on for 10 years. <laughs> so, um, and then membership, you know, we just, but we don't charge anyway. You know, I, people hear me pick on MUFON all the time, but 
not to really pick on them. MUFON charges for membership, so it's a lot harder, you know, when, you, when you're asking somebody to pay 50 bucks for the year um, to be a member. We don't charge a membership. Our car is completely privately funded, so uh, there's no need for membership. We're just looking for volunteers to help out with the workload. Now, getting back to Jeff, because I keep jumping subjects on y'all here. Now, now, do you think this will be feasible? I heard you say earlier 16, was it 16 other states have this law where you can do this ballot? I think there's 16 states that have I mean, ballot initiative. Initiative and referendum, it's what it's usually called. I'm going to have to look and see if we're one of them. I'll right. give you a hand if we are. Just Louisiana's kind of backwards. <laughs> well, you know, I've checked into that. You might, some, I'm, I'm remember, I think Baton Rouge does. Oh, well, that and would be uh, even when it's not available at the statewide level, mm-hmm. very often there are little buckets of counties or towns or cities or villages that will have those initiative rights in some one form or another. They might call it different things, but people could just you know look into their uh, state or local ordinances, state uh, statutes or local uh, ordinances or charter, and just find out if they have uh, initiative or referendum rights. Referendum usually means that the uh, legislative body, you know, city council or state legislature would create a ballot for a particular issue and they would put it on the ballot. Whereas an initiative is something that's done by ordinary citizens. And then they get they collect signatures and, and from that it goes on to the ballot for a vote. I'll have to look and see, because, well, if I find out you can do it, I'll have to give you a call and see how you go about that. Because, look, any help we could give you, I'd love to, because, like I said, there seems to be quite a bit more interest, at least late in the last couple of years, there seems to be quite a bit more interest in the South in this particular stuff. And it's like uh, the 105 on FM down here. We weren't going to get on, on terrestrial base radio, and someone actually offered to pick the station up and carry it on local FM because they said they're tired of hearing Rush Radio all the time. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I mean, you know, some of the stuff on Rush Radio is pretty good. Some of it's uh, crazier than what we talk about. But uh, still, you know, they, they're, you know, it's either music or political talk radio. There wasn't anything else except for maybe coast-to-coast late at night. and They wanted something else, you know, something, uh, another alternative is what they wanted. And so that when they approached me about it, I'm like, fine, yeah, you can put us on 105 and... Uh, carry the station, so they carry us five nights a week now, and it gives uh, the local uh, listeners a, an alternative station to listen to, and i got to say, uh, we get our first audit this month, and it, it looks promising. It looks like we're going to take a full maybe 28 to 38% of the market share, which is, in today's market, since there's like 18 radio stations here, that is huge. Congratulations. And, That's you know, very good news. And, and it's what it looks like across the country. The, the more people find out about us, the more people who want to listen to it. But it, honestly, they don't come to listen to me, even though I'm yapping at night. They come to listen to you uh, or whoever else. You know, um, uh, you know, there's been quite a few other paranormal people we, we brought on the station that are considered to be the tops in the field. Same thing in ufology and, and the rest of the fields. And then we've got a lot of exclusives that no one else seems to get. So it's, it's an alternative thing. People can come sit and listen. That, and, and we promote that we like for the audience to be fully interactive. We have the 800 numbers where they can call in. We have the virtual auditoriums where they can pop into and raise their hand and, and talk live. There's three email accounts they can email to, and then there's some text messages. And so we actually, you know, really want audience participation. And uh, usually, i got to say, the audience is pretty bright all in all. I have found that most Americans, or for that matter, most people in the world, if you give them the information, they usually assimilate it quite well. 
Um, I, I guess I'm not like the local politicians who think if they tell you too much, you'll lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. I find that most people can handle it. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of email about this particular show because people were interested in what you were doing in Denver. A lot of, i got to honestly say, a lot of people wrote me and said, well, you know he's lost his mind. He, he, <laughs> he, he can't. He can't be serious. He's going to bring this into politics. I said, well, he's not the first one to try to bring it. I said, he's just got a good idea on how to do it. And and I said, he's kind of taken a sideways approach to it, which is actually, it's a direct, but it's kind of sideways. And I said, it seems to be working. It's generating a lot of good media. And um, if, if it really works in Denver the way he says it was, I said, I can't see where it's going to do anything but help the field. Uh, of course, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, me too, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, where's, the, where's the gamble here? Yeah, no, nah, I think you're going to be all right. I, I, just with the amount of press you got. Now, you know, I, I can't, like someone just sent me a message about the video, is it real or not? Guys, I haven't even seen it. How can I tell you if it's real or not? Okay, don't ask me that again. And I don't think Jeff's going to comment on one way or another until it's released. So, um, And really, we don't have him here tonight to talk about the video. I mean, he can, but we, we got him here to talk about uh, a couple other things. But... You see, that, that's the thing. You start seeing these questions about the video, about the video, about the video. Guys, when it's released, trust me, whenever it hits anywhere, I will post it to all the sites so y'all can find it easily, okay? <laughs> uh, if it matters, I, I believed when I saw it the first time, I believed it was real. But that's because when you hear Stan's entire presentation and all the uh, things that have gone on for eight years now and how frequently they happen you know weekly uh there's stuff going on in fact i just got sent he just out of his basement window yesterday afternoon uh snapped a photo of a big triangle up in the sky above his house and i said well how big was it you know when you put your arm out you know because people always you know they say oh it's the size of a bb bb or a p or something like that he said it would have taken about two or three fingers at arm's length to cover it up now, that's huge. Yeah, that is huge. And uh, so, you know, he just sent me that yesterday, and stuff is happening there a lot. But, you know, after two or three hours, well, actually, I think it's almost four hours of his presentation, there's so much in there, you're pretty much already convinced. So when he shows the, the even the still from the video or the video itself, it's kind of like a visual, a final visual confirmation of what you had already been convinced of. And so it's easy to believe it. But, you know, it really does need more research, and I do try to uh, dissuade people from putting too much weight on a single video. The media itself, you know, when I, uh, what happened, the way that came about was that, again, I didn't solicit any media attention initially. They just kind of found out and started calling me in large numbers. So I did a lot of interviews, and very often they'd say, well, you know, why'd you do this? I said, well, I saw... You know, I've been presented with different kinds of evidence, you know, declassified documents or some stories or some photos or some videos. And it was almost the, the same response from a lot of people. They'd say, video? What video? And I'd describe what I saw and they'd say, huh, can I see that? Yeah, How see can that. I see that? you got to let me see that. <laughs> you know, and they'd get really animated. And I'd say, okay, okay, let me see what I can do. So I, I thought just as a courtesy to them, you know, they took interest in this initiative I was doing. I said, I'll ask the man who has that video that was, you know, kind of reinforced uh, my own belief. I'll see if he'd be willing to, to show it in some context. And uh, he was. And so we set up, you know, what I thought would be, you know, a handful of local media. Uh, I sent out a press release. And I said, okay, so here's 
the, the video that I've talked about will be shown, and I'm doing this to fulfill my promise to you that that I would try to uh, allow you to see it somehow. And it was that. It was just that. It was just a very innocent kind of thing. But the media itself built it up into this thing, you know, Jeff Peckman has ultimate proof of alien life on the, you know, oh, <laughs> this well, stuff. You know and it just went crazy. And, you know, it, it just kept going crazy, you know, after the, uh, after the thing. And some of the news people came out of that. And, you know, we had a pretty good turnout. I think uh, at least a dozen cameras and about 30 or 40 media people present. And people came out of that. And it wasn't, you know, the reporters were not convinced either way. And in a way, I thought, well, that's actually okay if they're just sort of scratching their head and not really sure. They haven't, they haven't solidified uh, a belief or a decision. They're kind of thinking about it, and they're, they seem to be filled with a sense of wonder and curiosity. And like, I don't know, did I did I just see what I think I saw? Is, could it be? You know, just that kind of loose state of awareness, I think, is is actually helpful in the long run. Um, but they didn't come out just, you know, shrugging their shoulders and, ah, it's a fake, you know. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, other people were trying to turn it into that, but no, it wasn't. And nobody has actually proven uh, that it was a hoax. As far as I can tell, it, it was not a hoax. And people have said, oh, we, you know, we created this video, it cost us 90 bucks, and it's just the same, and it just sort of shows that it's all fake. Well, it isn't, you know, I mean... There's some there's graphics programs that would have enabled them to do a lot better job than what they did. Oh yeah. Uh, but all it proves is that there's graphics programs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can make you can make uh, you know George oh. Bush look like uh, Jesus Christ or Saddam Hussein look like Elvis Presley if you get a Photoshop and all these different things. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, I'm still getting in trouble over them damn probe ships. Uh, I had one of my uh, one of the iCar people. We had got to talking one night, and uh, he started doing some research because they looked CGI to me. And I was like, "Well, why don't you see what you can find?" And it took him all of three days to find out who made the damn thing. And of course, when I asked Linda Moore how about it, she like to rip my head off. I'm like, Linda, the guy said he made them, boo. And she, well, you know, that was a bad thing to bring up with her, but. You know, there's, that, that's one of the things that's always bothered me about all this. It, it, it's First off, it's kind of risky business because when you're releasing things like videos and tapes, if they are a hoax, sooner or later somebody's going to figure it out and then there's going to be five tons of hell to pay. And then, But what bothers me the most is sometimes it takes years. You know, something becomes is considered credible evidence and then a decade later we find out, oh, well, wait, that wasn't true. And, and it, it does more damage than it does good. That's why I've been dying to see the video, and I'm sure you'll put it out sooner or later. But, you know, I had a question just come in. Wait, where did it go? Uh, I just had it in front of my face just two seconds ago. Oh, that is. Uh, Oh, somebody wanted to know, um, have you gotten any responses from national or political leaders? Or, you know, by name. I mean, any of them contact you, say, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) No, uh, no, I haven't. But uh, I probably tomorrow or... Friday, I'll, uh, I'll also issue, you know, last, I think during the Democratic National Convention, I made an offer to Senator Obama to heard that. provide a briefing, because I really expect that uh, any Democrat that gets into the White House is still going to be denied a lot of the information oh, yeah, that they, they should have, whereas the Republicans will, you know, be more, uh, it'll be easier for them to get it, but the information they get will probably just 
reinforce the weaponization of space and the whole buildup of the military and more of that same thing. So I will make a similar offer to uh, Senator McCain. And actually, on, there's a, a petition, an online petition that was set up uh, to allow people outside of Denver to kind of sign on in support of this ballot initiative. And this was set up by uh, Larry Bryant out there in Virginia. Maybe you know him. Yeah. yeah. Um, wonderful man and uh, very supportive of this campaign. And one of the people that signed on to that petition was a delegate from Pagosa Springs, Colorado, a delegate to the Republican Convention in Colorado, the state convention. And he signed that in support of the ballot initiative, and he said, I was at the convention, my friend and I, and uh, we went outside and we saw a UFO, and it's real. This is real, and we got to get the truth out there. <laughs> And this was Republican, and uh, you know that Reagan had quite a bit of history in this. Yeah. I did did a re- uh, interview with uh, Shirley MacLaine, I think two two Sundays ago. Yeah, I actually think I caught that one. Yeah, and she she brought up that uh, she had been sitting with she had sat next to Lu- Lucille Ball during Reagan's inauguration, and Lucy was telling her about uh, a story that uh, Ronald Reagan had told her before he be- got into politics about how. He and Nancy had been driving down Mulholland Drive in California and saw a craft come and land and a ramp or some steps lowered down and I think four, you know, extra what looked like extraterrestrial beings got out and told him in his mind, I think this is the word she used, they told him in his mind that he should stop uh, being an actor and get into politics. <laughs> and then Lucy and... Lucy said, so now we're getting this nutcase uh, as our president. And uh, Shirley said, you know, she just, she said, Lucy obviously didn't know who she was talking to because, of course, Shirley was already, you know, familiar with this sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, so the, within the Republican Party, there seems to be more more uh, information available to them and more easiness talking about it. But unfortunately... I fear that, you know, that the talk is all in the direction of a kind of fear-based approach to the issue that would result, again, in weaponization of space and other kinds of agendas. You know, you're probably the only person besides myself I've, I've ever heard admit that the Republicans probably know more about this than the Democrats do. Um, I've gotten trouble at conferences for bringing that up, but I don't know when it started. I would have thought, you know, being Kennedy was a Democrat, that maybe they would have known more, but somewhere... After Vietnam, it seemed like everything switched to the Republicans. Um, there's no doubt that George Bush Sr. knows. Now, whether or not he told baby Bush is anybody's guess, but there's no doubt that Sr. knows. I mean, come on. Head of the CIA, eight years as vice president, and four years as president. If anybody on the planet knows the truth, he knows the truth. Um, Reagan obviously knew something. I mean, come on. He he instituted Star Wars, and then he instituted Pine Gap, the defense of outer space. Uh, and, and then he made, what, six speeches where he brought up an invasion. He obviously knew something. Now, whether or not, like I said, whether Baby Bush knows or not, I don't know. And as far as the Clintons, they had an interest in it, but they were never told. Carter was never told. We know that. I mean, both both of these presidents, you know, said we were never told. Well, did they say that they were never told or that they were never told by the people that they should have been told? Yeah, well, that was the thing. That's what he, that's what Bill related to that he was never told by let's say let's say you know someone in the upper government 
he was told just never buy anybody of consequence. There was people he knew that might have been associated with programs that he kind of hinted around with, uh, but he was never told by the the right people. In other words, you know, uh, the, the CIA head of the CIA or NSA or Secret Service never came up to him and said, "Bill, look, the planet's being visited. This is what they're doing. This is why they're here." No, you can't do anything about it, and no, you can't tell anybody. I don't think he had that conversation, and I do think Ronald Reagan and Bush did. I just don't know if Baby Bush did. And it's hard to say what what Bush Jr. knows, because on one one aspect, the man looks like a complete moron some days, and then some days he actually looks like he knows what he's doing. So I I, I don't know what to think of. You mean like playing dumb? Well, yeah, because you know, being more informed than what was like the thing with the Russians just recently. You know, he's in Beijing, Russia's invading Georgia. Bush is like, yeah, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, what the hell, dude? I mean, but you know, what's the score? Yeah, and to me, that all that suggested to me was he knew this was going on already. He already knew this was going on. And I got to be honest about this. Since this started, McCain has caught up with Obama in the polls to run a neck and neck now. And before he was double digits behind Obama. So when it comes to a leader that's going to be, if we're going to be looking like we're getting in a war, Obama ain't going to have a chance. They're going to, the public's going to vote McCain in because they're going to feel more comfortable with him. And uh, one, of the Repub- one of the Democrats brought this up the other night. He said, you know, we've been living in this fantasy world for the last 18 years thinking, oh, we don't have to worry about the Russians no more, and we can do this, and we can do that, and we can do this. And this is why candidates like Obama are feasible for our country. Said, but in reality, that is not the truth. The truth is we're headed for a new Cold War, and we need a strong president. And uh, that kind of floored me when I heard a Democrat say that. I was kind of like, okay, uh, what are y'all trying to end this man's career? I, I told him, I, I, this is another one of those elections where I'm going to have to vote for the lesser of two evils because I, I, I don't know, you know. I don't think we've had a decent candidate in, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> well, of course, it's not all about the candidates, all the people around him. That's true, too. And, uh, I would just, I would really hate to see, you know, more of um, Cheney and Rumsfeld types. Uh, controlling stuff. And what's you know, her name? Washington. What's her name? Kind of reminds me of Cheney. I never can remember that Alaska governor's name, but she kind of reminds me of Cheney. She got that, you know, like don't with me because I will drop something on your head. <laughs> yeah, there's a funny parody. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't know who created it, but a parody of John McCain calling her up and she getting tough with him and <laughs> yeah. kind of humbling him. But I, I tell you, the thing that one thing that bothers me is I know that uh, McCain has a strong support of Joe Lieberman. Yeah, and his wife, as far as I know, still works with uh, the PR firm of Hill and Knowlton, and that was the firm that fabricated the congressional testimony with the young Iraqi girl talking about some atrocities being created, uh, being done by the Iraqi soldiers, a Kuwaiti girl. I'm sorry, Kuwaiti girl talking about the atrocities done by uh, Iraqi soldiers in the first Persian Gulf uh, War that actually helped to rally, and this was played over and over as real news. Uh, and it rallied a lot of Americans to support getting into that war. And the, the whole thing was fabricated. Yeah. It didn't actually happen. And so this is, I think, okay, now, with the whole UFO thing, that's precisely the kind of connection and the strategy that could be engaged to turn any kind of uh, UFO experience or disclosure into towards a negative side. Uh, again, to build up the military and scare people and through fear, you know, controlling us more, and that does bother me, and I think about that frequently. Yeah, and well, it, it should, and I, I don't know, it, I would like to see a more conducive political environment. Now, you know, 
um, Obama might be the right guy to be pushing. I really think Hillary would have been the right woman for what we're discussing tonight because she has an avid interest in ufology, and I think if she would have somehow miraculously became the candidate, I really think Hillary would have pushed for disclosure. Now, whether or not we would have got it, she might have pushed for personal disclosure and maybe hint around to the public that something had happened, but um, I think she would have definitely pushed any way it goes. Obama just doesn't seem like the pushy kind of guy to me. He looks like the kind of guy that when he was growing up in school, he probably got beat up on a regular basis. So I don't think he's going to be real pushy against Congress. I don't think he's going to be real pushy against the people. Now, I could be wrong, and uh, and I hope I am, actually. But he just doesn't seem like that kind of pushy kind of person. So, um, of course, you know, he's selling one thing to the population and maybe a whole other kind of character when he gets in office. That's something we'll have to wait and see. But I would like to see a president that at least has an interest in this. And there has been a few. You know, Jimmy yeah. Carter had an interest in it. Ronald Reagan had an interest in it. The Clintons definitely had an interest in it. Um, which tells you if, if the, the highest office in the country, the most powerful person in the world, uh, has an interest in this, everyone should. You know, when Ronald Reagan made that speech, the whole world should have said, him, said what the hell does he know that the rest of us don't? And when he instituted Star Wars with these lasers that were obviously not designed to shoot down missiles, but when he instituted Pine Gap, the defensive, the joint British defense of outer space, the world should have been going, what's going on? You know, he have obviously we dumbed down to, too much? Is that <laughs> well, you know, I talk about sheeples all the time, Jeff, about especially Americans being sheeples. At least 70% of America walks around in a daze. Um, some of the stuff that goes on in our country, you know, I was raised the same way you were. We the people. We control the government. We make the decision. Um... Honestly, since the early 70s, I don't think there's been any proactive Americans in this country. There's no real lobbying of people. You must lobbying of big companies and stuff. You know, people paid lobbyists, but you don't see too many big groups going to Washington and lobbying Congress for this, that, or the other. You don't see people, you know, getting big groups together and protesting in the streets because of things we're doing. It's, it's like the Iraq war. If, there, if this war would have happened in the 70s and we'd have found that we were lied to, they'd have been protesting everywhere. And we'd have brought our troops home, but that didn't happen. And Americans seem to just take the status quo. They're too interested in, oh, i got to go bring my son to soccer practice. i got to go pick up my daughter from school. i got to go meet such and such for dinner. i got to go meet such and such. They're just into their own little lives, and they're not really concerned. As long as the government doesn't do anything to affect their lives, they don't seem to care, even though they're losing right after right after right. They just seem to be in a daze. <laughs> but... But let me get you to get on the website because we're going to go take a break right quick. So tell them where the website is, and uh, we'll go take a break. So My they, website? Yeah, so they can find it's, you. Yeah. It's uh, extracampaign.org. That's normal spelling, E-X-T-R-A, campaign.org. And for y'all that can't spell, you can find it on the UFO in the cover site right on the Jeff's name. Just click it and go. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in a few minutes. I've got a bunch more questions lined up for Jeff. I see we've got quite a few stacked up in the queue, so... When we get back, we'll get some questions started. I want everyone to please stay tuned to UFO on the cover. I am your host, Joe Montalva. I'm sitting and speaking with Jeff Beckman, and we'll be back in about 10 minutes, so stay tuned. And we are. Welcome to you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to UFO on the cover. Like Natasha said, I am your host, Joe Montalva. Tonight's guest is Jeff Peckman. We've actually crossed several topics, which we're going to shift back to extra in a minute because there's still quite a few questions. The one I see in my email is quite loaded down with things. 
Also remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to listen to us via UpSnap, you can go to the UFO Undercover site or to the Paranormal Radio site. Uh, there's a toll-free number there now that you can call straight in and, and listen for free, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and type in Para 27627 on your cell phone and listen to us free. And by the way, this is anywhere in the world, guys. You can listen to us on your cell phone anywhere in the world. You can listen to us on 105.3 UPRN in New Orleans uh, and all of the different venues that carry us now on um, on the Internet, including the newest addition to the family, Black Vault Radio, which is now an affiliate of ours and has put uh, four of our shows into syndication. So uh, as you can see, the station is growing, but there's no excuse for you not to listen, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, y'all, y'all said, a lot of y'all said, oh, can't be here this time, that time. Well, I took all your excuses away. <laughs> so I don't want to hear anymore. Jeff, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, um, sorry I had to get those those promos out. Thank God we ain't got to do paid commercials. That would make me insane. Uh, <laughs> it would. Now, I want to go back. I noticed, hold on, where was I? I was just on your site just two minutes ago. What did I do with it? I wanted to ask you a question about something. It was under the breaking news. Um, where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? That's what I get for moving sites around while I'm talking. Hmm. Anyway, I noticed on, yeah, there it is. Uh, it says another ET ballot bid. Now, what was that? It's Lands Denver City Hall. Is that the same one, or is this something different? It's still my ballot initiative, okay. but that was uh, regarding the revised version that I'll be discussing with the city officials tomorrow afternoon. Now, ladies and gentlemen, y'all can go. It's extracampaign.org. Uh, y'all can go to a site. He's got quite a lot of information on the site, and I have it up in front of me right now because there's some things I wanted to ask. See, I see down here he's got 724, Paula Astronaut, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, which will be on this show in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'll have to ask him about this. And then here I see where you got 819 Obama offered ET briefing, and you said you were going to offer a McCain one, right? Yeah, I'll probably uh, make that offer on Friday. And uh, he's supposed to, he and his uh, vice presidential candidate are supposed to be in Colorado on Saturday. Oh, well, he, he might actually pay a uh, little bit of attention. And, oh, by the way, to my two birthday uh, radio show hosts before I get, Tree Sheridan, happy birthday. I know yours was yesterday. And to Karen Dolan, whose is tomorrow, happy birthday. I know y'all didn't want the whole world knowing y'all's birthday was, but, hey, happy birthday to y'all. Yeah, Karen, Richard Dolan's wife, hosts a show for me uh, through the keyhole on Friday nights. And, uh, but I just, because I would forget, y'all know how I am. If I don't say it on the air, I will forget to tell you. <laughs> I'll get on to something else. Now, how do you feel? I mean, you've seen enough of McCain on TV and, and heard him talk. Do you think he'll be receptive even a little bit to this, or do you think he might look at you like, oh, my God, this guy has lost his mind? Or Well, if he even knows that the offer's being made, yeah, that's I don't true. know. But, well, there's a couple things. Uh, I'm an independent, a registered independent voter. Thank God for that. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I can throw in the comment by the, Republican delegate from Colorado that he had seen a UFO at the Republican convention <laughs> or while he was there. You know, I heard that from somebody else too. But that was a this was I was a last Republican convention, right? Uh, well, this was the state he saw oh, okay. at the state Republican okay. convention okay. on May 30th, which I think was actually that might have been the same day. Well, May 30th was the day we did the press conference, and so that might have been the same day he saw it, if I recall. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be. And uh, you know, one thing I, one other thing I have is a, uh, is a photograph, a group photo, with uh, me standing immediately behind uh, President Reagan and Nancy Reagan at the White House, and it was just a, you know, I could say that I was there undercover, uh, serving ice cream, 
<laughs> I was actually serving ice cream just because a, fam- a friend's business was invited to serve ice cream at the congressional picnic. So, you know, just to help him out, we went and had a little fun. And so, uh, you know, those three things. And I think also uh, McCain seems to be doing some gutsier kinds of stuff yeah. these days. Now, the fact that Senator Obama, uh, his campaign did not want, you know, did not respond to that offer, uh, McCain might just for that reason. He might. Well, like I said, Obama just doesn't look like he, he's he's the kind of, how can I say this in a G-rated show, he just doesn't look like he has any kahunas. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel okay about him. In no, terms I feel of okay the whole, about him. In the big issue, I think that I would, I would trust him to deal with it in a more responsible and open way than uh, another set of Republicans. Yeah, well, I trust Obama in some things. I, there were some things I, I, you know, heard him say that I thought, well, you know, he, he does have some stuff on the ball. My biggest problem with Obama is simply his lack of experience. I mean, one year as a junior senator does not make for president of the United States. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, he, he's an excellent speaker. He seems to be well-mannered, well-rounded. Uh, I don't care much for his wife, but he seems to be uh, a very well-rounded individual. So I'm willing to give him a shot. You know, I mean, he, let's be honest, he can't do any worse than Jimmy Carter or some of the other presidents we've had recently. So, I mean, you know, I'm just to the point now where I am, like the rest of the country, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for some kind of new, fresh politicians that have an interest in what we're doing. It's just, you know, Obama's got some good things, McCain's got some good things. Maybe if we could mash them together and throw in Condi and and a few others in there, we might actually get a you know, because he does. I mean, he does have, you know, people hear me all the time because I do a, um, once a, every couple of months I host Voice of the People for a friend of mine, November Hansen, to do a political show. And, uh, you know, I've come down hard on Obama. I've come down hard on McCain uh, because personally I don't think either one of them or the guy to run this country. I just don't feel they have uh, the well-roundedness to, you know, to have the political, to, to have, I mean, you got to have a couple of things to be president. One, you have to have strong foreign affairs and, and the foreign countries have to respect you, um, and that's hard to earn these days in the United States. So you got to have that. The military has to respect the commander-in-chief, so you have to have that. The people have to respect the commander-in-chief. So these are three things that I don't think either one of these possess in abundance. I think, like, Obama can get the people to like him. I don't think he can. I heard what the Europeans said about him, so they're not going to like him no matter what. Uh, the Russians have already said they thought he was going to make a, a, a weak president, so he's he's already losing on the foreign front, and the military doesn't like him at all. So that's two out of three go against him, and in opposite on McCain, he's got the two strongs, but the people don't trust him. You know, so yeah, pretty tough situation. To yeah, it is. Into. I mean, it's 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 a tough one, and, and you know, so we can hate on both of them all day, or we can praise both of them all day, but bottom line is those three things are important to everybody who's voting and every most everybody i've talked to agreed neither one of the candidates possess all three and as long as that's you know coming down to voting for the the lesser of two evils. yeah well maybe the upside of all this is that people have to look at themselves more and think okay now am i good in all these areas in all the areas that i should mm-hmm. be good uh am i taking enough responsibility in my own life or is this a, a sign that I've relinquished too much to the person in the White House that I think is going to solve my problems? Uh, Maybe people will be more reflective on yeah. their own self. Yeah, well, they should be. You know, one of my big things is, I say it on the air all the time, if you don't vote, don't bitch. Because this is how I feel about it. If you didn't vote, you don't have the right to gripe. 
Yeah. Okay, you don't. You didn't take the time to go vote, whether you thought your vote was going to make a difference or not. You didn't take the time to do it. You don't have the right to complain. Uh, some other moron put the politicians. <laughs> and really, I mean, the last two presidents' elections, what we had, thirty-six percent of the country voting. You know, there's no been no true winner of a, res, a presidency since probably Kennedy. <laughs> But, you know, I don't, I don't you know, it, it's just most of the country doesn't want to vote. Now, here's something interesting, ladies and gentlemen. My son told me about this yesterday, and I didn't know about this. You can vote on the Xbox now. You can cast your vote via the Xbox. And there's a new program coming up, hopefully in time for this election, probably not to the next one, where you'll be able to vote from your computer. Now, this is a guarantee that if you can vote from home from your computer without getting up and going anywhere, we should see an 80 to 85% vote that's how many that's how much more people they expect 40 more percent of the population to vote if they can do it from their house um now i don't know why people can't just put it in the mail because i know you can mail in your ballot but i guess that's too much work but starting your computer up and hitting yes apparently isn't that much work you're gonna have to put in your ssi number and stuff like that but um they're gonna make it where you can vote off the internet and I don't know if this is going to work or if this is going to end up in one of these disasters where this candidate swears that the election was rigged or what have you. But I can tell you this, a lot more people will vote if they can vote from their home. And uh, so you might actually start seeing truly elected politicians in this country one day. And not just because right now the presidents are, are elected by the minority, not by the majority. There hasn't been a majority vote, meaning more than 50% of Americans vote, I think they said since Roosevelt. So, you know, right now the presidents are being elected by the most politicians are being elected by the minority. It's the people who are willing to get out and vote, guys. Get out there. Come on. I know I talk to a lot of people every day, and I know all y'all got bitches and gripes. Go vote. Especially in local elections. Definitely go vote, because that makes more of a difference than the feds do. I don't know, Jeff. You got to gripe at them all the time, man. Yeah, well, you know, a, you reminded me of a saying that's very frequently in my mind as I'm making these decisions about the campaign, uh, something I heard in a previous campaign, that the world is run by those who show up. That's true. That's a damn good you got to show up. <laughs> i got to say, that's damn good, because it, it does. Uh, it is true. It is run by the people who show up. And uh, these days, most Americans are too lazy, and they just want to sit at home and watch their television or do whatever they're doing. They don't want to get involved. Um, now, for the parents, I want to tell y'all something, okay? Uh, that is just BS, because all that's doing is teaching your kids not to care. All right? You need to make your kids understand. See, I was in the military, so it was forced in our head, vote, 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 vote. I mean, the military. You can't even not vote in a military, okay? They will come out and find you and give you something to vote with. They'll bring a little piece of paper. Matter of fact, we were sitting on the tarmac waiting to be shipped overseas. They brought the ballots out so we could vote on the tarmac. All right? So you can't even get out of vote when you're in the military. So um, it's, Americans just need to vote. Y'all, y'all need to pay attention. See, it goes back to what Jeff and I are talking about, especially for the people that are living in Denver, but for the people who are listening tonight, participate, guys. Write to Jeff. Get involved, okay? Because the more of y'all that get involved, the more likely the press and the politicians are going to take this seriously. If five people write in, well, there's no need for a politician to take it serious because he's going, well, only five people interested. 155,000 people write in, and then he's got to start thinking he might get unelected, or not reelected, I should say. So um, it makes a difference, guys. Just get involved. It, whatever it is, you don't have to get involved when we're talking about night. Get involved, uh, whether it's in ufology or anything, but just get involved in something. 
and get your lazy butt off, stop eating couch potato, and get involved in something. And for my friends in Europe, that goes for y'all too. Y'all just as fat and lazy as Americans are. Uh, look, I'll tell him. You tell him there. I'm not. Look, see, Jeff's being quiet. He's a nice guy. He won't tell y'all this. He's thinking it, but he's not going to tell y'all this. See, I'm going to tell y'all because what y'all going to do? Write to me and tell me something nasty? I'll tell you don't listen to the show no more. Um, the thing of it is, is because I learned a long time ago, Jeff, if you ask people nicely, they ignore you. You demand it or, or, you, or you get loud, they tend to pay more attention. And at least they still might not go do anything, but at least they're listening. And uh, I just want them. I just want them to get out of this habit of of sitting home and watching elections instead of being involved in elections. And uh, I just I want to see it. I, like I said, I'm gonna vote. I just don't know who I'm voting for. Yeah, I might be one of them coin flipping things. I don't know, but I'll vote for somebody. Um, you know what? More than likely, this is gonna fall to the. Uh, for me, it's gonna probably fall to the the VPs, and both of them scared of living the hell out of me. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, all kinds of stuff coming out about that. Now, now, what's your next move? I, I know um, you got a lot of stuff going on, but what's going to be your next uh, your next move? Well, tomorrow I have this meeting, and there'll probably be a little bit of media coverage uh, on the points of that. And what I'll be explaining is why the initiative is being revised, and basically, uh, what was an eleven member commission will now be seven members, and that will be achieved by just removing the mandate that. There are representatives from the departments, uh, Denver Departments of Safety and Human Services, the Office of Cultural Affairs, and a representative from the Denver City Council. So all those people that are basically on the payroll uh, would be removed. At least the, the, the mayor does not have to appoint someone from each of those four areas. Uh, what I realized, you know, it was just a gesture to involve them in this because it is important, but... Uh, to have somebody volunteered instead of volunteering is, uh, you know, it's a little different there, a little bit of a difference. And so I wanted it to be purely volunteer, voluntary and did not want people to be kind of forced into it who either do not want to be there in the commission or who really are not very knowledgeable or interested in the topic. Uh, so what I've done is taken those four people out of the commission and then set the bar much higher as far as the kinds of people that should be on the commission, which now can be, uh, the members can be from anywhere in the universe. <laughs> it's actually stated pretty much that way. And uh, that most of them have to have a, at least a Ph.D. in some related area of natural sciences or social sciences. Uh, one would have to be uh, experienced in consulting at least 100 people who have uh, believe they've had some kind of close encounter with an extraterrestrial being. Uh, most of these people would have had to have written a book of these seven different members. And uh, so, you know, it's really it's, it's set the bar high because I want to have the greatest possible benefit come out of this commission. And so it really, it's going to draw people that are passionate about the issue, who are knowledgeable, who are published authors, who have had, you know, years of experience in dealing with uh, these these topics. Uh, at least one person has to be expert in the witness testimony from people who had had top secret security clearance. And of course, the person that comes to mind is Dr. Stephen Greer uh, to satisfy that kind of role. And what I've done just this afternoon is invited people. I, I explained to a number of people that uh, I interact with that are, you know, Exopolitics Radio, Alfred Weber, and 
you know, Victor Vigiani and th- these kinds of people, I've explained to them that, okay, now the commission has pretty much opened up to anybody. It's not just restricted to Denver residents, and there are no people from the city government involved now unless they really want to be. And I invited them to uh, request the opportunity to be on the commission, either as a regular, one of the seven regular members, or as an advisory member. In fact, Joe, I would make that, uh, I would invite you to do that as well if you'd like to be an advisory member to be available in case there's a particular uh, topic that would could use your expertise, then uh, there's an unli- you know there's no limit to the amount of advisory members. Uh, there's no criteria for having a PhD or anything like that. But really, people that uh, have something to offer and could be valuable when there's a topic discussed that, that needs a particular kind of expertise. Oh, I, I would enjoy it. I got uh, three degrees: uh, advanced electronics and advanced avionics. Okay. Well, you know, all these things are going to come into play. And uh, so that's what I'll be discussing tomorrow is primarily the changes in the ballot initiative and that we will, in fact, still be targeting the May 2009 election. Um, it, it turned out to be a, a blessing to delay this by six months because there's a, it's going to turn out to be a record number of referendums and initiatives on the ballot in, in Denver, uh, 19 of them. <laughs> in addition to all the candidates during a presidential election. Uh, whereas in the spring, this may be just one of one or two things going on during that election. And so there'll be a lot more opportunity to, for in-depth discussion. I'll need to raise money, so if anybody wants to donate five bucks, if you think that it's worth uh, a few dollars to get this issue out, not just to people in Denver, but through Denver to the whole world, as it has been happening so far, I'd invite them to make a, even a small contribution uh, because we will be paying paid petition petitioners, people who collect signatures for pay, and uh, I feel they ought to get paid because they're doing a lot of hard work, and it's uh, you know might create a whole new economy to get paid for doing something relative to uh, extraterrestrial uh, <laughs> realities. So there's that, some fundraising, and uh, basically just. Next week, I should have new petitions in hand to, to start over, and we do have to start over uh, to collect about 4,000 signatures. People could let their uh, your listeners, if they know people in Denver, check out my website. We'll try to have something organized where people can go and know that there will be a signature, uh, somebody there collecting signatures. So it's basically after tomorrow's meeting, uh, get the, I have one more step to get the petition finalized, and that's through the city clerk. And then uh, we just start back on the regular campaign stuff, collecting the signatures, educating people. I'll be doing some more interviews um, and probably going to more schools during the next few months that uh, are just interested in this topic. I mean, it's a very, you know, what's going to come out of this, Joe, is, is very exciting because as the people study the issue, they're going to see opportunities for uh, cultural enrichment, for you know, potential energy technologies, clean energy technologies, for economic development, for a whole range of uh, career choices coming down the road uh, to this new generation of students. And uh, so I think having a taste of this information and realizing that, yeah, it is, it is real what's going on here, I think that's going to inspire a whole generation. And it can happen just through, you know, some simple strategies like engaging people directly. So if we, if we can basically brief the citizens of Denver 
with the same information that presidents have had, or, or not even, maybe probably more than what uh, many of the presidents have had, I believe that will change the dynamic. It will change the discussion, because to have one city so well informed about all this information of the existence of these extraterrestrial beings and their vehicles that have been here for so many decades and, and longer, I think just having one large population on the planet that really has that information will start to have a cascading effect, a domino effect, whatever you want to call it, and it'll just spread very quickly through the people directly, pure grassroots kind of activity, and uh, I, I think there'll be some really wonderful surprises coming out of this, and one of them will be the development of school curricula in a lot of these topics. Well, that would be a nice thing, because you know, it's something we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, um, why none of this is taught in any school anywhere. And I don't mean so much, you know, because I'm a 25-year veteran abduction researcher with, you know, a UFO ufologist, whatever you want to call it, but, I mean, we specialize in contact cases. Um, now, I don't expect any of that stuff to be taught in school, because, frankly, we don't understand any of it now. But the fact that there probably is life, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, we were told there weren't any other planets. Okay, well, we know that's wrong. It's like the first time I said, oh, there's water on Mars. Everybody said, well, you're crazy. Well, guess what? There's water on Mars. Uh, and both NASA and the Eurospace Agency agree that they're going to probably find some type of life. We're not talking intelligent life, but some type of life on Mars. They also think they're going to find life on three or four other planets or planetoids in our system. Well, if you take that and times that how many planets they estimate that are in the galaxy right now, you're talking a lot of life. And, you know, when you start talking, you know, 100 billion, 50 billion planets with life, and out of that, another 5 billion with intelligent life, that's a lot. And that's not even, you know, right now, the current estimation on planets is 200, I mean, uh, stars is 200 billion. And we know most stars have more than one planet. Right. Well, what do you think about the, uh, the you must be familiar with uh, the Disclosure Project witness testimony from the people who are prepared to swear under oath, to testify under oath, that NASA has had many videos and photographs where extraterrestrial UFOs were in the, in the photos and the videos, and they erased them. And then they come back and they get their $15 billion a year in funding to look for intelligent life <laughs> in yeah. outer space. What's your take on that? Well, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because some of the disclosure witnesses I think are quite good. Some of them I'm not so sure about because... Now, I, I look at everything kind of double-folded. I figure if you've got 200 witnesses, probably 50 of them either have some kind of um, agenda or have some association with the government. So you don't know how many of those is different information and how much is real. So I'm always a little skeptical mm -hmm. when it comes to that. But NASA put their own foot in. What was it, STS? What was it, guys and girls, STS-81? No, STS-41, right? Um, they put their foot in it on that one because, first off, it's obviously a craft taxing the ship and obviously something from the surface took a pot shot at it. I mean you can see it clearly in the video whatever that beam of light is is moving from the surface towards space and you can watch this thing change directions on three occasions the thing shadow on the shuttle so but where they put their foot in it is right after that I mean not within two days after that sighting um, NASA went to a seven second delay on all broadcasts they have not done a pure live broadcast since then which is what 16 or 18 years ago, oh, it's almost 20 years ago, um, they have not done a live broadcast since. It's always with a seven-second delay, and that's so, what 
what you just said. They can erase and edit the video because what happened was NASA didn't account on Americans, and not just Americans, but other people videotaping the shuttle missions. So when this STS-41 mission happened, people had videotapes of it. So NASA couldn't deny, so they tried to say it was ice. Of course, well, ice doesn't change directions, and ice doesn't come barreling up from the surface of the planet as the UFO is coming across like it's aimed at it. These are things that, you know, NASA can't get around. And then, of course, to date, there have been 44 astronauts that have come forward and made reports. Some of the more famous ones, you know, from the Apollo or Gemini or Mercury programs, there's several famous ones from that that have come forward, but you've also got quite a few uh, from the uh, the shuttle programs. And then there's one, uh, what's his name, Jeff Challenger, Jeff Chan, I can't think of his name, but he was working on the Hubble telescope. The little girl's in the cargo bay with the camera, videotaping him. All of a sudden, you hear her say, oh, shit, it's a UFO just like that. And then, you, then he turns around and sees it, and, and then all of a sudden it's bleep, 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 bleep. You don't hear anything else, and then the whole thing goes dead. Um, NASA can't get away from things, and both of them made reports to different agencies. So, you know, NASA's in a position where their astronauts have already said UFOs are real, extraterrestrials are real. So the, the guys that we pay, you know, this is what always amazed me about Americans, by the way, Jeff. These guys are trained to go find E.T. That's what we pay these guys for. We pay them to go in space and look for extraterrestrials. Well, they said they found them, and, and what do we do? Yeah, well, sure you did. You're crazy. That, see, that's, that's a double standard. It, it's like if I go outside with the video camera and I film you robbing a bank. Well, you're going to get 10 to 15 unless it was on, then you're going to get life. But in that same videotape, it's after the robbery. If I looked up and seen a UFO and filmed it, they would say I was crazy. It's a double standard. An eyewitness with videotape is considered to be the most credible evidence you can use in a court of law. But yet, it's, it doesn't hold true for UFOs. All right, well, there's, there's so much big money. and I mean, how much funding would NASA get to look for intelligent life in outer space if everybody saw the photos with the UFOs and even maybe extraterrestrial beings? Yeah, I mean, they... What, then what do they say? <laughs> they wouldn't get any money, and then everybody in the country would be going, what the hell y'all been doing for the last four? Personally, I think NASA needs to cut all ties with the U.S. government and go exclusively uh, private and hook up with Boeing and some of the other ones. Because, you know, Boeing's got some good ideas for space travel. A couple of private companies have it, but they don't really have the funding. But NASA does. So if they would get together, they could build like the T3, TR3Bs. They could build something along that lines. Because a friend of mine a couple of months ago sent me the new moonshot, right? This is just the Apollo program is all this is. It's a little fancier than the original Apollo, and it holds six instead of three. But basically, in the year 2008, to go back to the moon, we're using 1960s technology. That says a lot about something, and so, and then then they don't even want to talk about what we're going to use to go to Mars because you know, in 2020 or 2016 somewhere up now we're supposed to be going to Mars, and, and then they don't want to talk about oh we're going to retire the shuttles but we're not friends with Russia right now so how the hell we're going to get to the space station? <laughs> sometimes I just wonder what's going on here. I mean, I really think, in all honesty, that NASA and a lot of the stuff associated with NASA is simply to keep the American public distracted because I got a friend in the Air Force and uh, he works for the Air Force space program which by the way ladies and gentlemen the Air Force and the Navy have huge space programs in case y'all didn't know that last year alone 
the U.S. Air Force launched, uh, what was it, 14 times more than, uh, no, I'm sorry, 24 more times than uh, NASA did. Okay, 20, 24% more times than NASA launched last year. The Air Force put up. The Navy was actually higher than that. What are they launching, guys? Anybody got any clue? I don't even never hear about these things. Um, and now, when I was talking to this on the air a couple of months ago, somebody said, oh, that's not true. Well, guess what? The Air Force has got a new recruiting program that talks about the Air Force space program and how much more launching they do than NASA does. Uh, so you can check it out for yourself. I mean, this ain't even classified information. But no one ever talks about what the Air Force and the Navy are doing in space. They only concerned about NASA, and why is that? Because most Americans don't even realize that these two governments probe these two government military branches have their own space programs. I'd be wondering what the hell was going on, y'all. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I've seen the TR-3Bs up close and personal. I know they're not extraterrestrial, so I'd like to know who possesses them and what they're doing with them. Uh, I mean, I, personally, I filmed these black triangles 30, 40 times. I, I can't even tell you how many people in golf breeze have filmed them. Um, they're only seen in places around, you know, military areas. Uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, California, Florida, where the non-nuclear testing facility at Eglin is. It's 900 square mile base, one of the largest in the United States. These are where those T3s keep showing up. And the reason, the way we found this out was, is people used to report the X-117, the F-117 as UFOs. But they kept showing up in these same areas, and we realized, these weren't alien craft. These were terrestrial craft. Same thing with the small black triangles. They're not alien. They're terrestrial. Now, those ones they say that are a mile and two miles across or four, no, those are not ours, guys. We don't have we don't have near the technology to put something four miles across into the atmosphere and fly it around unless it's a blimp. Sorry. <laughs> we just don't possess that kind of technology yet. But um, the small ones, yeah, the small ones are definitely ours. They've been being filmed since 19... 88 or 1989, uh, and this is the year 2008, so for 20 years these things have been being filmed. We even had a congressman call in uh, from New Mexico and ask us what it was. So I don't know, you know, it's definitely not alien, it's definitely not anything we're releasing, but yet we're still flying them, and then like I just said, you have the Navy and the Air Force that both have space programs. Aren't y'all a little bit curious to why y'all don't know anything about that? <laughs> And see, that makes me crazy, Jeff, because you, you hear people talk about NASA all the time, but you never hear them talk about the military space program. Well, that was new information to me. I appreciate that. Yeah, again. see, that's what I'm saying. Most people don't know. And like I said, when I first brought this up months ago, people said I was crazy, but then the Air Force came out with their commercial about their space program. So that took kind of the pressure off of me, and everybody had to leave it alone. But, yeah, they're, they're classified. You can look them up on the net, and you will find that they have them, but they don't tell you what they're doing. Matter of fact, most of their missions say classified on it. Come to think about it, most of NASA's missions say classified on it. So here we are putting up 100 classified missions a year. Anybody got any clue what we're putting up there? I mean, anything? Weather balloons. Yeah, that's right, weather balloons. <laughs> I'm with Jeff. Weather, I don't know, Jeff. See, that kind of stuff bugs me. That bugs me just as much as the, the ET secret thing does because here we are launching every day and no Americans even have a clue what we're putting up there. Apparently the Russians do because they're quite PO'd at it right now. <laughs> That's that new missile defense deal. That's why the Russians are so upset because <laughs> in another four years the U.S. Will be, uh, will be vulnerable to nuclear weapons attacks, at least from an aerial attack. 
as far as smuggling and nuking the country, I, I think we'll be vulnerable for that for another decade or so. Um, then again, I could be wrong. Uh, no one's done it yet, so I could be wrong. Well, Joe, what's the, what do you know about this October 14th prediction of some craft showing up somewhere and the coincidental uh, call for uh, snap elections up in Canada on the same day? You know, somebody brought that up. Was it Paula Harris? It wasn't even on my show. Um, I think it was Paula on Karen Dolan's show had brought that up. And for the life of me, I, I was like, wait, 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 did I miss something? What was going on? And she was talking about, that's how it got brought up. Matter of fact, she was talking about Paul Hilliard. And uh, somehow it segued into that. And she said all she had done was heard about it. When I researched it, I couldn't find any information other than the fact that they had a snap election. And uh, and so I had to go back and ask Paula what, what she had heard, and then she went through it and told me what she had heard, but then she said she couldn't uh, really verify it either. So it's one of them things that, you know, it makes you crazy. I don't even know where it came from, to be honest with you. Um, I do know that I did get some photographs from October 14th, but they weren't from the same area. I got... Uh, with this coming 14th. I got... But I guess what I'm saying. This oh. was what's so weird. I got two from three from last year, but I just got them recently. And uh, the guy, the one who sent me the two from Quebec said, this is what you should expect to see on October 14th. Oh, I see. And I said, okay. And I still wanted to know where he came up with that from. And he got into this big book-like spiel about why, why, why it was going to happen. But it still doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And it's like 2012. You know, we've got to wait and see. See, to me, 2012 doesn't mean anything, but... To everybody else on the planet, it seems to be the end of the world. Yeah, or beginning of something. Well, new I, and I take I take the Mayan translation literally because that's how it's meant. It's the end of life as we know it and the start of the golden age. It does not say anything about the end of the world or the destruction of the world. It says, and this is a quote: "The end of life as we know it and the start of the fourth and final, the golden age." And the thing about this is, it's a very literal translation. It means just that. The minds thought through probably some type of consciousness change that the world would change in 2012. Now, whether that's the right date or not, I don't know because I've heard quite a few people argue, you know, because the minds had a 13-month calendar based on a 24-and-a-half-day month. So no one's exactly 100% sure if 2012 is actually the right date. Is, is there a single alternative date that's been... No, they got two other dates posted. One is 165 years before 2012, which would I guess would have been in the 1800s, the early 1800s, and uh, one of them is 165 years after 2012. So it's now a guy did make a point. He said that the other date happens to coincide with several major changes in uh, the, the the older date. Uh, that there were several major inventions uh, that came that changed the world at that time. He said and that would have been considered the start of the golden age because you know, there was things like uh, certain drugs that had come out, uh, steam engines had come out. There was just a lot of things that were electricity that were changing the world into a, a much different world than they grew up with, and uh, which could be true. But then there's also the date that's 165 years after it, and then, of course, there's the 2012 date. I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't living 2,800 years ago, so I, re I really don't know who's right and who's wrong here, but I do know... A group of archaeologists were down in South America, and they had uh, talked with some Mayan relatives or ancestors, and they still pass these st stories on verbally, just like the Dogon do. They still pass them on. 
they also said to the archaeologists that it meant literally a change of consciousness and a way of viewing the world in an light to a more enlightened way. Now, there's only one thing I can think of that would cause this, Jeff, is if E.T. made itself present. Because then you would have a world wanting to pull together because we wouldn't know if they were friendly or not friendly. We wouldn't even know what to think about them. So you'd have the world wanting to unite. If they weren't here to destroy us and they were truly here to come help us, then you would definitely have a united, enlightened planet uh, without any destruction or any devastation or anything else. But that is the only single thing I can think of that can trigger this. I, you know, Other than that, you're talking the nuclear war or... I just don't see the the planet having a fundamental consciousness change without some kind of outside influence. Uh, I just don't think we're, we're we're there as a species yet. To be honest, with would, you. would you would you believe that there's uh, that a lot of that has already been going on? Yeah, from I would, a lot of different directions, kind I think, of organically. Yeah, I think I no, I agree with you. I think a lot of this stuff under under people's breath and under the the cover of darkness or whatever you'd like to say it has been going on. I think in a lot of areas you do see a fundamental awakening of people in this country, hence why ufology and paranormal is getting so big in the country all of a sudden, because there has been a consciousness shift, but there's still 6 billion of us on the planet, and Americans only make 300 million, and even in that case only half of us may have been awakened yet. So it, it, I'm looking for something you know, that's going to trigger all these little things that have been going on for the last 100 years, we'll say maybe longer. Uh, I'm looking for the catalyst that's going to trigger it. There's got to be a catalyst somewhere. Uh, and right now, the only catalyst I can think of would be uh, an extraterrestrial-type catalyst, unless Jesus Christ shows back up on the planet. And then that's another catalyst. But other than them, too, I, I really don't see where any one leader can do this. I, you know, it can't be an American leader because we don't have the respect of the whole world. It can't be a Russian or a Chinese leader because they don't have the respect of the whole world. So... I don't see it being a fundamental leader that can capture the minds of everyone on the planet. So for me, it has to be something higher than that. Now, it could be something spiritual. It could be something extraterrestrial. That's anybody's guess. But it just seems like it's of a higher magnitude than what's on the planet at the time. That makes any sense at all. Um, It's a tough one to put into words because when I look at it, I see what the Mayans say. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's exactly what they said is it's a change of, of, of the way we look at everything, a fundamental change across the whole planet for everyone. And when I think of it that way, I have to think that there's been part of this going on, but there's some kind of triggering event that kicks this off. Now, maybe it is a war between Russia and the United States. Uh, maybe they get into it, and that's enough to get the whole world you know, thinking, well, wait a minute, God, y'all going to nuke us. we got to stop this. But I don't know, Jeff. It, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Well, I'll throw something else in the hopper uh, that's, you know, one other way I'm trying to contribute to this transformation. I mentioned the uh, my website, worldpeacemarket.com, and what's there is a, a new technology called Metatron technology, and it's a software program, actually, that you just download a simple file to your computer and several of these things are free. And what people have been reporting is that it seems to, and the intention of it is to eliminate the chaos that's within the man-made electromagnetic fields that we're in almost constantly and just about anywhere on the Earth. And when this is downloaded, people have been finding that it just kind of creates a, a peaceful atmosphere around them that removes that agitation of that chaos. And if you go to that website, you'll see that 
There's two or three products that can be downloaded for free, and you can see the testimonials of what people have been reporting. And uh, that's what something that can be spread, you know, through the internet. Uh, anybody can download it in a couple minutes, and it's free. It can go all over the world, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, this buoyancy, this lighter, more coherent atmosphere that people can work or study in. And I think collectively, that's going to start having an impact. So that's actually my my bigger project that I haven't been uh, able to put much attention on. But if you look at the testimonials, what people are saying when they download these products, it does seem to be a very subtle, uh, very profound technology. And, of course, you know, it is a commercial website, so people that want to have the effect for their entire college campus or commercial building or home, you know, they can buy something, which, uh, which isn't too expensive. But several of those things are, are totally free. And I'd encourage people listening just to download it and try it out and uh, let me know what you think. Guys, go give it a try. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'm always willing to try out new stuff. That's, the Internet is one of my all-time favorite uh, toys, I should say. Uh, actually, it's way more than a toy for me. It's a big-time tool. I've used it to network to literally millions of people. And, and i got to say, I've been really, really happy with it. Um, but like I tell everybody all the time, you know, when it comes to the Internet, take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> Because you never know what's true and what's not. But I'll give it a try. Give it, you got the website again? Yeah, it's worldpeacemarket.com. Worldpeacemarket.com. Guys, we'll give it a try. Tell me what you think. Y'all all have my email. You can write to me. You can write to Jeff. Uh, you can go visit his site at extracampaign.org. Easy to find. That's an easy name. I love these easy domain names, by the way. When I thought about that name, I thought, okay, this is an important thing. People should know about it. Then I remember the movies where they hold up the newspaper and says, Extra, read all about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd just abbreviate the extraterrestrial name for that. Hey, it works, it works. Because I get guests that come on sometimes with these, these eddies that are, oh, God, like a paragraph long. You're thinking, baby, dang, nobody can remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to tell this to people, not just you follow this, but anybody who's on the net. You have to make it easy. So people hear it, they remember it, and then they can just go www.whatever, and there they are. Uh, mine's easy, ufoindercover.com, uh, uprn.com. i got lots of eddies. I own like 50 of them suckers. But, uh, I try to keep them all as easy as, as possible. The paranormal radio is probably the longest one we have, but um, still, it's an easy one to remember, paranormal sure radio is. network. You know, it's, it, it's easy to remember. So, and, you know, it's important so people will remember it, extracampaign.org. That's pretty easy. That's not real hard. You should get lots of hits on it, so it should be a big thing. Um, now, oh, something else I wanted to ask you. I know we're getting short on time here, and it just totally slipped my damn mind. Um, oh, that's what it was. Um, now, now I know you've been, you, you did the uh, interview with Larry King, right? Oh, wait, somebody just asked me, too, about, were you on David Letterman? Yes. Oh, so that's what that meant. What kind of reaction did you get from David? I'm kind of curious about my stuff. Well, you can still see it if you go to extracampaign.org. There's a link to it on the right column of my home page down in the news. And uh, you can still see about a 10-minute segment. Uh, the interview was about eight minutes. And that was a lot of fun. And, you know, it totally surprised everybody in that he carried on a very serious, uh, respectful conversation. They did the funny part of the show earlier on where they had, you know, aliens, how many aliens can you put in a Jamba Juice store? <laughs> but when it got to my part, I, got, I was able to just speak out uh, a lot of key points that, that I talk about during the campaign. And uh, he just absorbed it all in, and then it ends with a, 
an invitation for him to uh, be part of a delegation during first contact, and uh, that seemed to be going, that went over pretty well. So it was very, it was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, people were just very surprised that he was as serious as he was. Now, I'm going to have to go look at it myself because I'm curious. I've I seen an interview with him with, um, oh, what was his name, Nicholas Cage last night about his house in New Orleans. I got to talking about ghosts. He, he seemed to be quite interested in it. So I, I'm glad to see that uh, that he didn't make a big joke out of it and stuff like that. I'm actually, that's a, that's a good thing. That's you know that's just one of the things that works in your favor. And, see, because I'll do interviews all day long, but you know some of them. Uh, matter of fact, I had done one down here not too long ago on the FM station about a sighting we had had we had videotaped out near the lake and these guys were going to start trying to give me a hard time so right in the middle of the interview i said well look anyone who's listening to my voice right now that's seen this thing on the night please call in his phone lines jammed up they had to take me off the show because they, they had only brought me on to make fun that's the only reason they had done it and when he got all these serious phone calls coming in they didn't want to even touch it anymore they were like okay well it's time to move on to something else <laughs> i said yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i thought uh, the, well, I'm glad to see them idiots went by, but I know we're getting short. Uh, website again, so they know where to find you. Yeah, extracampaign.org. Any uh, conferences you plan on going or speaking at? or? Well, um, I'll be mostly just some minor interviews. I'm trying to you know, stay put in Denver to organize this mm-hmm. thing so that it can get done within the next five months. I, I don't really have any speaking engagements elsewhere. But, uh, you know, we've got to stick around and, and work with the volunteers. Got a wonderful group of people helping out, and uh, we'll get it done. Uh, we'll see what comes from tomorrow's meeting. Probably a little bit more media coverage will continue here and there. But uh, basically, it's a it's a very really it's just a simple thing that can be done that has a huge amount of leverage. Just doing one of these ballot initiatives. And I actually just checked during the break, and Louisiana uh, Louisiana mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have. Uh, ballot initiative rights on a statewide level. I didn't have time to check uh, on the county level or small towns that could be done locally, but at least statewide they don't. Uh, but you know, we're just we'll just move forward, and uh, different things are coming up, different kinds of interview opportunities, and I do look forward to spending more time in classrooms. Uh, there's a community college where I'll be part of a talk uh, on exopolitics coming up. I think there's going to be more of that. In fact, you know, just this week, uh, somebody, Paula Harris, sent me uh, something about a gathering in Germany, Exopolitics mm-hmm. Conference, and then also, I think that's maybe next week, and then one that I think is going on right now in Hong Kong. So this is how, you know, U.S. is a little bit behind yeah. a few other countries, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to spread very quickly. Dr. Edgar Mitchell's done a great service keeping this information out there to the public and you know he's such a respected person and what you're doing I'll, you know, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be you know talking with so many of the real champions of these uh, deeper topics that have been at it for decades uh, just it's a real blessing for me so I feel well, lucky well I'm the, considered the evil son and you finally <laughs> the black sheep well that's because I speak what's on my mind and I don't, I don't if, I, if I look at something and I don't think it's legit I don't say well Maybe enough that you pull up, <laughs> then you know. And like that's how I got on Doctor Sala's advisory board. He had told me something one night, and I said, "You know what? I don't agree with you, Sala." And we're pretty good friends. And I'm like, I just don't agree with you. And I said, "You got to learn something about ufology. You have to learn to agree to disagree, so you don't start fights and you don't start name calling. Mm-hmm. You just say, okay, I don't agree with you.' Because you know, doing some of the research we do that 
when you when you anytime you start talking about any type of contact, it gets really kind of crazy. And um, so we we kind of go both ways in the fact that we want to see actual politics work, but as far as most of the people we know are concerned, first contact has already happened. Sure. Uh, so we're looking for public first contact, and and we would like to see a forum set up for that. So that's the reason I got on a board with them. But and I give them a hard time from time to time, but I like it. So. <laughs> You know, uh, and I tell people I'm, I don't always agree. I, I came out on Betty and Barney Hill on Coast to Coast and said I did not agree with the analysis on the case. Explained to him why. I left George Norrie speechless, by the way. Hmm. Uh, and everybody who heard it, matter of fact, when Benil wrote the interview on it, he's like, "I have never ever seen George Norrie speechless." And I did because he told me at the beginning, "You will never change my mind about Betty and Barney Hill." And at the end of the interview, he was like, "Oh, wait a minute." <laughs> And I presented it in a much different way. And, and I presented it according to the evidence and not according to my own personal feelings. And, you know, we have criteria for cases. You know, it's one of the first things we established 15 years ago. We have criteria for caseloads. And Betty and Barney Hill did not fall into an alien abduction case, at least not the one in the United States did anyway. So, uh, you know, and I broke it out and told him why and explained to him what was going on and how come and, and told him where he'd go look through the different cases or, or the audio clips of Betty and Barney had explained to him, but it's not just that. I mean, there's a lot of cases that when I reviewed them, you know, uh, one of the first things we do with anybody we bring into the organization is have them review some, review some of the more famous cases to get their opinions on them, you know, just to see what kind of investigator they're going to end up turning out to be. And uh, There's a lot of cases out there that just weren't properly, but there's a lot of good investigated cases out there, too, but there's a lot that we just took for granted, and here we are 30 years later going, wait, that's not what the evidence <laughs> Yeah, well, it's good to have you on board with all this stuff because, you know, uh, it, there needs to be a dynamic conversation and debate, but yeah, there has to be the debate. There has to be. You can't I just agree. set it aside. Oh, it doesn't, you know, nothing to talk about. It's all fantasy. Well, no, there's obviously something going on. Well, I had a lady write to me a couple of months ago told me, well, you're a liar because you didn't say the same thing. And I said, well, baby, I said, we were doing generational case uh studies and we ran across these two and I had talked with Daryl Sims about some stuff and, and a few other people and uh, Yvonne Smith and uh, something new had came out so we had to change the way we looked at a particular thing and I told them on air I said this is why we changed our mind because this is ufology and we're going to I hate to say this but we're going to be wrong more than we're right but if we don't go back and correct our own mistakes you know then we're we're no better than any other charlatan out there so when we make a mistake as a group of ufologists or whatever you want to call them they need to correct the mistake and not just keep portraying a liar a bs and and that's what i'm hard on because uh, you know i think anybody who has the courage to come on this show or to just on any show for that matter and publicly stand up and say hey i'm working in this field i give them a thumbs up automatically but you know it's one of them guys that are portraying less than useful information or in it for ego or for other reasons, then I'm going to call them on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. You know, no, you see, you seem like you're into it. You just seem like you have an interest in it and, and you just want to see some change, which is a good thing. Um, some people might have looked, you know, tried to do this to get their own name in the press or to, you know, enlighten or raise their status and what have you, which I have no idea why I'd want to do that in this field. But still, you get them. You know, you do get people who do that, so that bothers me. But, Jeff, you've been great, man. I know we probably didn't run over on the clock tonight, but I want to tell you thanks for being on. It was fantastic. I had a good time, learned some stuff. Hope the audience learned some stuff. Uh, again, give them the website one more time. www.extracampaign.org. Right, Click on the site, 
Don't be stingy. It doesn't cost nothing. Click on the site, okay? Click, click, click. Go read. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, he's got all his updates on the right side. There's videos on the bottom, other information on the left. Take your time. Per- peruse through it. It's, it's not going to be a 10-minute read, so settle down and know that you're going to do some reading. Again, Jeff, I want to tell you thanks for being on tonight. I had a fabulous time. I look forward to hearing from you again in the future. I had a great time, too, Joe. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all enjoyed the show tonight. I hope you all enjoyed uh, learning something. Until next week, pay attention. Look in the skies. Wake up. At least smile if you don't do anything else, people. Smile. Smile. Look, look your face isn't going to crack. See, look, smile. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, y'all have a great night, great morning, great afternoon, wherever you're on a beautiful blue planet. Until next week, enjoy life. Thank you.